Welcome to another episode of The Central Word, a podcast ministry of Central Baptist Church, Texarkana, Arkansas. Today's episode is from our Wednesday night Bible study of October the 11th. And in this special episode, we are presenting the testimony of Chris Shirtliff, one of our church members, and the power of God's grace in his life. Our desire is that this message build you up in your faith as you walk daily with Christ. And here now is Chris sharing his personal testimony titled, Testimony of Grace. Stephanie, no, as soon as possible. 
If you'd like to bring some candy, there are boxes in the foyer to receive those donations. And if you have some trick-or-treaters that will be out on that Tuesday night, come our way. Uh, we're going to have uh, some, hopefully some fun uh, spots out in the back uh, that they can interact with and uh, candy. We're also going to have 50-cent hot dogs that if you, if you want to take them back for a quick meal that night. And we look forward to having a good, fun night uh, interacting with the community on the 31st. Well, I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to turn it over to Chris. I want him to have the bulk of the time tonight, and I know that you want to hear from him. And so we're going to pray in just a moment and then turn it over to him. Uh, we're going to continue to remember all those on our prayer list here at Central, as well as uh, the things that are going on out in the world. Conflict in the Middle East with Israel continues to get more and more intense, and it will be for that way for some time. We just need to pray for Israel, pray for God's intervention, pray for God's protection to be with them, and uh, just remember that God's in control of all of that, and He has promised in His Word that He will take care of Israel. They are His people. I believe the Scripture is very clear that uh, they are still His people. And uh, he has promised that he will come to their aid. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 6 says, Therefore prophesy concerning the land of Israel and say to the mountains, the hills, the rivers, and the valleys, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I have spoken in my jealousy and my fury because you have borne the shame of the nations. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I have raised my hand in an oath that surely the nations that are around you shall bear their own shame. For indeed I am with you. I will turn to you, and you shall be tilled and sown. I will multiply men upon you, all the house of Israel, all of it, and the cities shall be inhabited, and the ruins rebuilt. I will multiply upon you man and beast, and they shall increase and bear young. I will make you inhabited as in former times, and do better for you than at your beginnings. Then you shall know I am the Lord. So the Lord has not forgotten Israel. And he has given prophecies that he will fulfill. And he will be with them. Just as he'll be with all of us. So let's have a word of prayer. And uh, Brother Chris, you're among friends. We love you. You just come share your heart about what God's done in your life. And we'll praise the Lord for that. Father, we praise you for this world and all that is in it. It's in your hands. Generation to generation, Lord, you have been working in this world. You've been calling a people to yourself. We thank you, Lord, that in these latter days you've allowed us to come to you. And you've allowed us, Lord, to see from your word how you've worked all through history. You are faithful, loving saving God, and we praise your name. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in our individual lives, and tonight as we hear Chris's testimony, we'll praise you for your grace, and we pray, Lord, you'll continue to work that way in hearts and lives of people who need you. Thank you for Chris. Bless him now as he comes. Give him strength to speak and share in the way you want him to. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Chris, you come.
Good evening. This is on? All right. I did this a couple times. This is the first time I've ever did it with my daughter in the room, so y'all bear with me. Uh, <clears throat> my name is Chris Shirtliff. Today, today I want to tell you how I found salvation through Jesus Christ. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction, the conviction of things not seen. For me, it's the greatest trust I can possibly have. Even with my nana planting a seed at an early age, it still needed watered. What is faith to you, and where do you put your faith today? Jeremiah 29.11, for, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I didn't realize how much it needed watered. At 18 months old, uh, we came back to the States from Maryland. My papa was Master Sergeant Jerry Tullis. He was stationed in the Air Force. We come home due to him having a heart attack. And I was 18 months old by then, and we come back to Middle Springs, Arkansas, and my mom met a man by the name of David Shirtliff and married him. Them not knowing or seeking out who my biological father was, David Shirtliff stepped up and adopted me. The Lord was already at work, and I didn't even know it. Psalms 139, verse 15 and 16. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark womb. You saw me before every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How pleasing is that verse. I wish someone would have read it to me as a child. Now my dad, David, was not a Christian man. There was no Bibles in the house. My dad drank Budweiser, smoked Marlboro Reds, and tons of pot. But even though he wasn't a Christian man, he was the hardest worker I know. And he'd also give you the shirt off his back. At the age of six, he came home to my mom in bed with another man. Well, we pretty much know what happened next. I remember my dad beating the life out of that man and throwing my mom through the kitchen sink window. My younger brother Michael was three. He didn't know much better, but he went ahead and went with my mom that night, and I stayed with the only dad that I knew. My dad made sure that he got full custody of us. Even though I wasn't biologically his, he fought tooth and nail for me. And without much fight, my mother signed her rights over on the Miller County Courthouse steps. Not long after the divorce, my dad remarried a woman named Kim. <clears throat> now, if you can imagine what an evil stepmom is, that was her in my eyes, even though she cooked for us, cleaned for us, and took care of us. Me and her never seen eye to eye. So living with my adopted dad and my evil stepmom, it was different. And I say different because people would think I had it rough. But I want to be honest, I was spoiled rotten. I had my Nana Shirtliff, Joe Shirtliff and Latrell, my Nana Tullis. They took so much care of me. Now my Nana Tullis, she was a lady that was in church every time the doors were open. She lived on 237, and we went out to Union, Trinity Baptist Church. And Brother Wallace was our pastor. Not only was he our pastor, but he and Miss Mary were one of my Nana's very best friends, and also a man that I, I looked up so much to on Sunday. But Sundays would always come, and back to the shirtless we would go. The party was always at our house. I was probably about 10 years old, 
My main job was handing my dad cold beer and wrenches. My dad owned a machine shop, so he pulled motors all night, every night, and would take them to his shop the next day and rebuild them. The late nights working with my dad, I don't regret. He taught me a great work ethic that I'm very proud of. So as life went on, church every other weekend, sex, drugs, rock and roll, the most of the time, people still think I had it rough, even my dad's friends, but I didn't. My dad always supplied me with the fastest four-wheelers. My family owned a lot of land in Little River County. My papa owned Shirtlift Tile, and my dad still owns Rightway Machine Shop. From the outside looking in, we was a good family. As, I, as high school would hit, I would try to fit in with the popular kids. The girls liked me, and I had lots of friends. It sounds great, right? Well, in high school took a, took a turn for the worse. I stopped going to my nanotelesis every other weekend, which means I stopped going to church because I had plans with the boys. We was going mud riding, duck hunting, fishing every Friday night, riding back roads, spotlighting, and other things would come after that. Growing up on the Little River with my friends is something I'll never regret. Soon I wasn't as popular as some of the guys that I was hanging out with because they had something I didn't have and something all the popular kids wanted. So I found a way to fill that void by traveling I-30 every weekend from Conway to Dallas, back to Ashdown, Arkansas, to pick up cocaine and ecstasy. Guess what? Now not only am I popular, but now I'm selling drugs in the 10th grade. Me having a 13-year-old daughter kills me inside just to be thinking of what I would do to someone today that sold my daughter drugs. But it feels great to be wanted, right? That's what I thought. Little did I know, not only would I get addicted to the fast life, but to the drugs, then ultimately the money. Soon enough, cocaine wasn't enough for everyone. Everyone was wanting something else that hit the streets. It was called ice or glass. By now I'm 17. I'm working at Baker's Body Shop, and I'm selling everything from pot, Xanax, to methamphetamine. I had money, and I didn't need school or an education. I was too smart for the teacher. My papa owned rent houses in Texarkana, so I moved out, started working for him and other tile installers and any construction trade that would give me a job. I seeked out construction workers, and not only high school kids now, to buy dope for me. So not only did I have high school kids buying dope, but I had a working class buying dope. One thing I was faithful to was my money, my drugs, but not my girlfriend from seventh grade. Yes, my drug dealing self had one of the smartest girls in Ashdown High School, but she was making a decision to go to Fayetteville to be a pharmacist. So either I lose her or I straighten up my act and move to Fayetteville. And guess what? I moved to Fayetteville, but my act didn't straighten up. The reason I moved to Fayetteville was because I had 10 felony warrants out of Miller County. Not only was the law looking for me, but I was looking for them. After living in Fayetteville, going to sorority events, meeting new friends, I had another set of clients, college kids with daddy's money and tuition money. So I'm out here wheeling and dealing. And we all, knows what we all know what happens next. Every dog has his day. 
I could go on and on about all the bad things I've done, the people I've hurt, the families I've destroyed, the lives that have died behind addiction from the path of destruction that I was on. Actually, I was sitting on death row from a childhood, and I didn't even realize it. Honestly, we all are. I use this word death row to awaken you, to scare you. I think we take life too lightly sometimes. You can sit on the front row of the church all your life and still be sitting on death row. Romans 8, 1. So there's no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. It's, two, it's 2006, Interstate I-30, Little Rock. I'd had a rough day. I'd been framing houses, and I'd been on the run for four years. I got pulled over by a state trooper, and I was tired. For four years, I'd been giving him my brother's name, Michael Shirtliff. Same color eyes, same height, same hair, so it always passed. But got pulled over for speeding, and the officer walked up to the window, and I told him I was Chris Shirtliff. I knew what was fixing to happen. So as he came, he transported me to Pulaski County, and then Miller County come and pick me up. So off to prison I go for the first time. So I sit down with more drug dealers in prison, learning how to be a smarter drug dealer. Well, prison was like a party to me. If you like fighting, hanging out, gambling, sports, no responsibility, no, no bills at all, prison's the place for you. But I was ready to go home by June 9, June 9, 2009. I'd had enough fun. I was a free man, except for this lady called a parole officer. Within one month, I'm selling meth again and running a small tile business. New trucks, four-wheelers, boats, everything I wanted, I had, I thought. I met a girl named Haley, and I got her pregnant. So when you get someone pregnant, you automatically get married, right? And that's what I thought, so that's what I did. Well, within a few short months, I violated my parole by getting busted again. This time when I got busted, my wife was pregnant with my daughter. She told me, go do six months, Chris, and you can come back home. I figured it was a good, a good thing that I got away from my ex-wife for six months so she could be clean since I was the one supplying the dope. So I got out in six months. She got sober. And now I was out right in time for October 10th, 2010, my baby girl was born. Psalms 27.3, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. I didn't know nothing except that I was going to be the best dad ever. I was done with drugs. We had a nice house, and I was back to running my business. She was breastfeeding for 18 months, and that's about as long as her sobriety lasted because I couldn't quit selling the dope and couldn't quit putting it in front of her. I was fine with it. Our, our daughter was spoiled rotten. Only having one child, it was easy for me to spoil her and have nice things and still think I'm doing good because we had nice things. Wrong. By the time my daughter was three, I went back to prison for the third time. 
And this is the first time I ever cried when I went to prison. Because every other time it wasn't nothing but a big party. This time I was going back to prison for 17 years with a parole date release of 2028. Y'all heard me right, 2028. I'd been to prison. I'd never really cried in prison except for my papa Shirtliff died. But these were different tears. These were tears of leaving my baby girl alone. Crying didn't help my situation. I told myself I had to be home by the time my daughter turned 16. So I was going to work out every day, stay healthy. But God had a different plan. After serving 18 months, reading my Bible, going to church, praying for anything, trying to stay out of the way, trying to stay out of trouble, basically, this man by the name of Scott McLean walked by from a program called Pathway to Freedom. I had seen Scott many times walking by the jail cells, handing his pamphlets out and handing his Bibles out. And of course that day, I had a chip on my shoulder when he walked by. He said, I got a Bible and a pamphlet for you, Chris. I said, I don't need no more of your Bibles that I can't understand. So he stopped and talked to me for about 30 minutes that day. He gave me more time than he's ever had. And he gave me another Bible that I couldn't understand along with a pamphlet. And I told him, I said, I still have 10 years to serve. He said, well, if you'll come do 18 months in my faith-based program, you'll walk out in 18 months. And he said, you'll get to eat Christmas dinner with your daughter and your family if you choose to come. I said, sign me up. Little did he know, I had a good job at the horse barn. I had a Polaris Ranger that we rode to work every day. I had a regular job inside of prison, and I had a lot of time left to do, and I wasn't trying to leave the unit I was at. But I chose to go to Pathway to Freedom under one condition, that he told me I could have Christmas dinner with my family. So that, my, that meant my daughter and my Nanatullis was going to be able to come see me. The rest of the deal was I have to learn about Jesus until Christmas. That beats banging a hoe in the dirt and shoeing horses. So I went on about my business, and I went to Pathway to Freedom. As I got there, there were classes after classes, church every day. And when I say church every day, I mean church every day. No TV, no fight night, only your Bible or a faith-based book allowed. So I'm working the program. And I mean I'm just doing the bare minimum. I'm just barely working the program just so I can eat Christmas dinner with my daughter. But after, after going to church so many times, there's this verse in the Bible, Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. So after going to church and hearing it day in and day out, things started sinking in. I can't explain the feeling that came over me one night. I woke up soaking wet and sweat. I didn't know what was going on with me. But I knew one thing. I did know that I needed to turn from my sinful nature and repent from my sins. Romans 3.23 For everyone has sinned and fallen short of, the, of God's glory. A standard yet in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. In His sight. My life has been changed from that moment. It's like my spiritual eyes were opened. Everything started making sense. 
Even the Bible I read 11 times that I never understood. It was starting to make sense. I didn't understand a lot of things in the Bible, but I, I, I kept reading it, and I kept reading it, and I kept reading it. And slowly but surely, my Nana told me to read Proverbs every day for whatever day of the week it was, and so I did. And I kept reading those Proverbs, and finally, day by day, they started making sense. And I still read them till today. So at that moment, like I said, I gave my I gave my life to Christ. You cannot you cannot understand the Bible with worldly eyes, and I read the Bible with worldly eyes eleven times. It never made sense to me. Then all of a sudden, it made sense to me what my papa shirtless said. He said, "Son, you'll go willing, or you'll go crawling." Unfortunately, I took the long way around crawling. So I did what I thought I needed to do. I started a men's Bible study in our barracks. And I started a prayer circle. It was just me and one guy. So we looked like two dummies standing up there every evening. But by the time we left, by the time I left that barracks at PTF, we had men of different faith, men of different religions. But there was only 60 men in each barracks. And all 60 men was holding hands, praying. A Christmas we had in there and everybody stood up we all held hands and prayed and as we looked across the hallway it was all plexiglass and more barracks and you could see those men over there doing the same thing because the light shines and when you give off light it's gonna affect other men and that's what was happening I didn't realize it I didn't know at the time but in hindsight, I look back, I was being a disciple to those men that had no one. Even though a lot of those men are still there today and won't never come home. But maybe they will know who Jesus Christ is. Well, it's 2015 now. I get to eat Christmas with my daughter. She was getting ready to start kindergarten. She come in. She said, Daddy, I didn't know you worked at no facility. They've been telling her I was at a facility so long she couldn't say facility. She said, Sility. And I told her I do, baby, and all those guys in the blue suits work for me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so we sit down at our table, it's me and my grandma and my daughter, and we start eating. And my daughter looked at me and she said, Daddy, when you finish this big job, will you walk me to kindergarten? Kindergarten was coming up a lot faster in 2028. Soon I had tears in my eyes again, and I was trying to figure out how I could be there. So I started praying, because I really didn't believe what this man, Scott McLean, told me, that if I finished this program, I would go home. I mean, I'm a third-time loser. But to that day, I was a winner in God's eyes. So in our prayer circle, every night, I prayed the same prayer. Lord, please let me walk my baby girl to class. Please let me walk my baby girl to class. Finally, my friend said, Shirtliff, I think your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. And I asked him what he meant. He said, just ask God once and have faith that it's going to happen. Quit repeating the same prayer. So I took his advice, and I laid it in the Lord's hands, and I, I prayed one more time, 
about walking my daughter to class. And I turned it over to him. So I'm outside on rec call playing volleyball. Much of you might not realize that, but I did play volleyball. <laughs> Max controlled, Max Control called over headquarters to tell Chris Shirley to come down to Max Control. The only thing I could think of is what if I what have I done wrong? So I get down to Max Control and all these guys are lined up on the wall and I tell them they keep telling me to go to the end of the line. And I tell them that I'm not going to the end of their line. I'm not in trouble. I'm going to max control to see what the prison has for me. And they said, get in the line. I didn't listen to them. I got to the window, and the lady said, go to the end of the line, sir. So I did. <laughs> I got to the end of the line. I started asking guys, what's going on here? Some of them said disciplinary court. Some of them said they had gotten in trouble. Some of them said that EPA. I didn't really know what an EPA was because... I'd never received one, but EPA, an EPA was for prison overcrowding for non-sex offenders and non-violent offenders. Since all my offenses have been drug related, I qualified for an EPA. So as she told me that I made this kick out, prison kick out, and I would be kicked out within two weeks, I told her this wasn't possible because my parole date was 2028. And she said, you're not listening to me. You've already been to prison three times. Your parole plan's good, sir. You're going home. And I told my daughter on the phone that I was coming home. So I got kicked out of prison in 2016. That sounds weird, don't it? Kicked out of prison? And I walked my baby girl to class. I didn't know what to do, but I knew I was scared to stop going to church. I was scared to stop reading my Proverbs, and I was scared to stop reading my Bible because I had done been to prison with three, t three times with no charges and once as a parole revocation. So I went to church every Sunday. My ex-wife was still living a worldly life. So about three months into this, I was on a job site for Donnie Seeley on Razorback Circle. This was way before he was my father-in-law. A CPS officer called me and said, Mr. Shirtliff, can you come to Katy, Texas and, and get your daughter? We've busted your wife, and we need you to come get her, or she'll be turned over to Child Protective Services. So, of course, I called Donnie. He told me to go handle my business. I drove there. I made it in six and a half hours. That's good timing if you know where Katy, Texas is. So I bring my daughter back. I don't know what to do. I hire a lawyer. I, I do everything that everybody's telling me to do. But one thing I did do is I started taking her to church with me. And as, as we go to church, I feel like I'm growing apart from the church I'm at. I feel like, Chris, you don't need to go. But there's a reason the Lord gave me Rylan. When he gave me Rylan, after her going to church first time, she was in your bed, my bedroom the next Sunday morning. Dad, we're going to church today, right? And so on the days that she really don't know about it, she was the reason I went to church. It wasn't for me. She kept me in check. Like I say, I was running a small business, laying tile. I would finish a job on Friday, not knowing what job I would go to on Monday. But I had faith. And I prayed. 
that the Lord would provide. And he did. A lot of Monday mornings, I would take my daughter to school. And as we're driving to school, I would ask my daughter to pray for me. I would ask my daughter to pray that we would have enough work to make it. Little, little did she know, in her, dad, in her eyes, her dad was rich, but uh, <laughs> he wasn't. She would pray, and half the times before I crossed that track in Ashdown, there'd be a phone call ringing, and it'd be somebody wanting some tile laid. It didn't matter, big, small, whatever job it was, I'd go do it. So now I'm going to church on a different level. I'm going to church for Chris. My daughter's done got me addicted to going to church. And now I'm praying for a Christian woman, something I've never done. I've never prayed for a Christian woman. But the dating pool in your 30s, I'll be honest with you, it's pretty rough. So I kept my nose clean, running my own business, having my baby girl after about, after about four years and praying for a Christian woman. The Lord showed me it was one of my contractor's daughters. Now I have full custody of my daughter. I have a godly wife that I don't deserve. I have my own business. My own house, not just a house. I have a very nice house, and I even have a houseboat. All these things that I was chasing with my worldly desires, I now have them. But I don't have them because of Chris. I have them through Christ. I have all these things in life that I wanted. I was just going about them the wrong way. I'm so blessed that my in-laws treat me like one of their own. Ezekiel 36:26 says, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. And just like he gave me a new heart and a new spirit, he can do the same for you. I'm supposed to be in prison today. But because I had salvation in Christ, I'm standing before you. I love you all. And I pray this touched you in a way that glorifies Jesus Christ and not my past. I want to say thank you to John Butler for arresting me and saving my life with the South Central Drug Task Force. Bobby Jordan, I want to say I'm sorry for my parents having to call you all the time. Mr. Yule, I want to say thank you from Pathway to Freedom. For coming to, and from driving to Little Rock, from Little Rock tonight to be here, but coming inside that prison and preaching to us. John Butler, John Butler was there when I got arrested, and I don't know how many other cars were there. I know there was cars from Miller County, and the Drug Task Force, Zane Butler, and John. Zane's little brother was there. Well, I got to take the ride in with John. He put me in his truck. He handcuffed me in the front and was nice to me. I told him I wanted one thing at that time, and I wanted to go, to call, I wanted to go call my daughter. He didn't have to. He could have just threw me straight in the cell and dressed me out. But before he, let him, before he let him have me, he took me in Zane's office, and he sat me down, and he let, my, let me call my little girl, and he let me tell her I had a big job to go do. 
Y'all don't realize sometimes y'all are saving lives by putting people in jail. I know that with no drug treatment program have helped me. I was too hard-headed. So without prison and without y'all guys doing y'all's job, I wouldn't be standing here today. 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means anyone who belongs to Christ and has become a new person, the old life is gone and a new life has begun. So with all that being said, I'm not perfect. I fall short daily. Romans 12.2. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And the way I do this today is I constantly read my Bible. When I have a chance, I read my Bible. I try to renew my mind daily. I pray that all of you can take something home from this testimony that glorifies Jesus Christ. Thank you all for listening. To know for everything that you lose in life, Jesus Christ is in the restoration business. Not only do I have a beautiful wife and a beautiful daughter, but I have a mom and dad. I have brother-in-laws. I have sister-in-laws. I have beautiful nieces and nephews. And most importantly, I got a church family that prays for me when I don't even know it. Jesus restored everything, and he's not done with me yet. I do plan on going inside jails and prisons and sharing the good news. So keep me in your prayers. Thank y'all. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Central Word. Our prayer is that this message will encourage you in your walk with Christ as we dive into God's Word each and every week. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you in the week to come.